0: Todd's Road Campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. I must confess this is a strange Sunday uh, to know what to preach. Uh, Many of you know we have a 12-year preaching calendar that's based on our revised common lectionary that helps us uh, look at the text from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, from the New Testament, from the Gospels. We've kind of mapped them out uh, uh, for 12 years to make sure we're uh, covering them broadly, and we're, we're looking at the continuous text. We're being mindful of the church calendar. Uh, but today, uh, we land kind of on a uh, preacher's choice kind of Sunday. Uh, the, the lectionary has two options for this week. We can uh, focus on the texts that uh, deal with this being the first Sunday after Epiphany. Uh, these texts that uh, point us to the story of the Magi coming and visiting the baby Jesus and the, the star that shone in the heavens and pointed uh, them to him. This Sunday where we would look at the stories of how Herod feared this new king, how uh, the earth's rulers trembled at the birth of this child. We also have the Baptism of the Lord Sunday where we can choose these texts that focus on uh, the waters of baptism and what it meant for Christ to be baptized and what it meant for us to be baptized, what it uh, speaks to in relation to uh, our life of uh, discipleship and our life as the church. Uh, layer on top of that, that this is also the first Sunday after an insurrection. It's the first Sunday after uh, voting results have been certified. It's the first Sunday after uh, the future of our Congress has been uh, reshaped. It's the first Sunday uh, after the week of our greatest number of COVID deaths. It's the first Sunday where Uh, our Commonwealth has seen a positivity rate of 12%. It's the first Sunday uh, where we look and we see hundreds and hundreds of new cases in our county, even with the students gone. And so what do you preach? Uh, On weird pastor Twitter, uh, everybody was trying to decide, do you rewrite your sermon this week? Do you change the direction you were going I thought we should stick with our trajectory, which we had planned, which was to look at the baptism of Christ and our baptism, uh, but yet to still acknowledge the realities of what has happened this week. Nadia Weber said that uh, she follows the lectionary and sticks with it because uh, it keeps her from, from kind of leaning into her own devices and shaping uh, the text to be something it's not. She spoke about how uh, even after 9-11, the, the lectionary had a, had a word and so I believe that these texts on the baptism of our Lord and, and this baptism for us have a word for us today. And so I'd invite you to listen with uh, open hearts and open minds, uh, an invitation to the Holy Spirit to, to be in and, and to work in and through you and to, to uh, speak afresh today. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, pour out your spirit upon each one of us open our hearts and minds to hear fresh what you would speak to us today, what you might have us understand, and what you might have us go and do. We love you, and we pray. you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. On this Baptism of the Lord Sunday, we, we get these four texts that Jeremiah read for us today. We get uh, our psalm, Psalm 29, this, this call to understand that Yahweh is king Regardless of who was the king of Israel, that Yahweh reigns on high. Regardless of what happened to Israel's fate, we get this Genesis text, which calls us into the creation story and into this God who brought forth light from darkness. We get the Gospel text, which helps situate us in the inauguration of Jesus' ministry, where the Holy Spirit comes down in the midst of what used to be just a water ritual and enlivens Jesus for the ministry he has at hand. And then we have this text from Paul, this this text from Acts, where Paul is uh, encountering the church at Ephesus and inviting them to understand their baptism, uh, not as John's baptism, but as Jesus' baptism. These these texts are full of our images and our symbols. These things that uh, we appeal to week after week, these uh, signs... That define who we are. It's a week where we see light. I struggle with this imagery somewhat because we've, we've weaponized darkness as bad and light as good, but the text seems to point to, to light. It's bringing order and, and bringing things into safety. We have uh, this imagery of Uh, a God who reigns. For us now as Christians, uh, we frequently put the cross at the center of our table to name that even death could not hold back our Lord and Savior. We have our cup and our bread, these symbols, these symbols of a God who took on flesh, a God who uh, was full of the Spirit and lived among us, a God who gave himself up for us, We have symbols of water, water that cleanses and water that gives life. Felsh and I were talking this week about the symbols in Washington this week and how dissonant they were with the things that we were seeing as part of the worship that Christians do. For as much as we celebrate the light that shines in the midst of darkness that brings about a cleansing that helps to illumine the world. There's a great darkness. There was uh, smoke and there was chaos. We, we have a cross. And Wednesday we saw... A gallows with a noose set to hang our vice president. We have a cup and bread that become for us the body and blood of Christ. And Wednesday we see onions that are supposed to help neutralize tear gas. We see a sacred text, the, the what we say is the living word of God. I've learned this week that there's a group who has actually bound up the president's tweet and offered them to people to study and to learn from. The symbols Wednesday and the symbols here are so dissonant. And they speak to a a dissonant commitment. I've seen screenshots of uh, folks talking in this new app parlor this week. Uh, about what they have done and are going to do. And I I saw lots of things about, uh, remember that our allegiance isn't to a party or to the police or to Pence, that it's to President Trump. But when we come to worship, we say that our allegiance is to the, the same God that we declare in our, our affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. We pray these prayers that say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because we're people who've made vows, we're people who vow in uh, baptism. And in membership and in confirmation that we will do certain things and and uh, be faithful in certain ways, we vow that our allegiance is first and foremost to God. The distance this week between these signs and symbols has been uh, unnerving. Because it's invited, uh, at least my family, to consider uh, what are our signs and symbols? What are our vows and our commitments? What are the things that point to who our God is? Because all these things do is name where our hearts are. They're signs of the thing we worship. And if it's anything other than our signs and symbols, if it's anything other than our vows, it's idolatry. And surely the only way we can... Can avoid idolatry. Surely the only way we can actually be faithful to God is through God's grace and through the work of his Holy Spirit. It's, instead of focusing on our uh, Mark text today, on, on Jesus' baptism, uh, I'd like us to, to look especially at our text from Acts. This trip where Paul comes into Ephesus, uh, it comes right after a group of people, Priscilla and Aquila, have been talking to Apollos, this uh, uh, kind of first-generation Christian teacher about what uh, the Holy Spirit is and does in the life of folks. Paul comes to Ephesus as Apollos has gone to uh, Corinth, and Paul meets up with some people. This is his third missionary journey. Uh, He has already spent two years in Ephesus. He's going to be around a couple months this time. Uh, Ephesus is probably his favorite church. It's the church that he keeps coming back to. It's the church that seems to have his heart. And he comes... And he meets some disciples. This is the only time in the New Testament we get an ambiguous who these disciples are. Usually it's the disciples or the disciples of Jesus. Here it's some disciples. Are they the disciples of Apollos? Are they the disciples of John? Who are they? We, we don't know, but we know that Paul first comes to them and says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you came to believe And they replied, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, what baptism did you receive then? And they said, John's baptism. Paul explained, John baptized with the baptism by which uh, people showed that they were changing their hearts and lives. It was a baptism that told people that there was one who was coming after him. This is the one whom they were to believe. This one is Jesus. After they listened to Paul, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began Speaking in other languages and prophesying, altogether there were about 12 people. For Paul, there is no discipleship outside the work of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is a testimony to the spread of the Holy Spirit across the land and how it lights the fire of the church behind it. For Paul, Uh, it's great that you were a faithful Jew, it's great that you went and baptized uh, with John and that you uh, repented of your sins, but there is no part of the way outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. There is no following Jesus without the Holy Spirit enabling us to live into God's grace. And so when he learns that uh, they've not been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, they've not received this gift, he lays hands on them and they immediately begin to prophesy and to speak in tongues. Uh, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is uh, one of the more controversial uh, things in Christianity, right? Our, our, our Pentecostal brothers and sisters uh, probably lead the way in understanding what it means to be uh, uh, filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And, and for them, it frequently manifests in these gifts, right, of prophecy, of tongues. Um, We tend to draw some of the other gifts of the Spirit. Hospitality, teaching, prayer. These things we can do because the Spirit enables us and enlivens us. Uh, We we all get different gifts, but yet we're all called to bear the same fruit. And so uh, what Paul begins to look for in his churches is the fruit of the Spirit. If you say you've been baptized, if you say you're part of the ones who are in Christ, if you are part of the way, are you bearing fruit? And so while we might not all prophesy and we might not all uh, speak in tongues, we're all uh, to look and see are we, are we being those who bear the fruit? Do we love joy, peace, patience, kindness? gentleness and self-control. These things that are antithetical uh, to who we are under the fall. Our selfish instinct would would run away from all those fruits. Instead of peace, we would war. Instead of self-control, we would indulge our own desires. Instead of goodness, evil would reign. Has the Holy Spirit gotten a hold of you? Have you uh, begun to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Are you aware of ways in which the Holy Spirit is transforming you to be a people of the Way? Are you uh, cognizant of how the Holy Spirit helps keep you in Christ? When we do baptism, we uh, we take it pretty seriously. We invite folks in the membership. We take it seriously, and we vow together, believing that the Holy Spirit will unite us to do some pretty powerful things. We we answer historic questions, and then we make commitments to one another. I want to talk about just a little bit of our baptismal liturgy and how it uh, reflects our belief and our commitment to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We ask those who are being baptized, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you: Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, yeah, "I do." Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil and and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, you say, I do. And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do. These three questions... We ask them and and we give this rote, I do answer. But these are uh, questions that if we take seriously, if we trust the Holy Spirit to help us live into them, they will shape who we are and how we live. As a church, we we unite with those who are being baptized or joining. We say, do you, as Christ's body of the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? If so, say we do. And will you nurture one another in Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? And then we all respond, with God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful to their service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. We will live as an example of Christ. We have no hope of doing that outside the Holy Spirit, and yet we believe that the Spirit works in and through us and through our baptism and through the means of grace to enable us to do that. It's why uh, so many of our symbols are, are these very common things, right? Bread and cup, tap water, a little candle. But yet we invite the Holy Spirit into it and we believe that something happens. We pray over the elements and we believe that somehow, mysteriously, they become the very body and blood of Christ. And in baptism, we pray this. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it to wash away their sins, to clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share his final victory. Friends, we believe something Mysterious happens to this uh, Kentucky American water, tap water. Uh, we hope it's tap water, right? We, who knows what's coming out of the, the ground here? We believe that something mysterious happens, and that in that baptism moment, the Spirit comes upon us, enlivening us to do things that we could never do on our own, to be faithful uh, in ways that were not ever possible. And so we take that water and we say, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We lay our hands on you. And we believe that though you might not emerge immediately with prophecy, with the gift of tongues, that the Holy Spirit is at work in and through you. That your life is different and that you will bear fruit. And then after we baptize, we offer this blessing, the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. If we take our baptism seriously, if we trust the Holy Spirit to work it in through our lives, we have certain symbols, we have certain commitments, we have certain beliefs about what our lives will look like, and any others are signs of idolatry. Uh, 20 years ago, I was uh, fully on track to have been a proud boy. 20 years ago, uh, my life revolved around um, around guns and my gun club and uh, this group of people there. We had our own signs and symbols. We had uh, the bonnie blue flag, which was the less controversial uh, Confederate flag. We had uh, this uh, constant fear that uh, someone was out to get us. Had I not ended up in Wilmore and Asbury, uh, I am fairly sure uh, of where my life would head. And that was also in the darkest season of my spiritual life. The season where uh, I was away from the church. The season where uh, I felt like I didn't have a place of belonging It's a life of idolatry. Uh, Pastor Sarah talked about a number of other things that can look like idolatry. Money, possessions. Uh, I've had to fight in recent years this ideology or this uh, idolatry of wokeness. Of uh, looking at justice and mercy for justice and mercy's sake, not for the ways in which they enact the gospel. and i'd love to invite you to consider uh, if if idolatry is trying to creep into your lives as we begin a new year as we uh, launch into the life of the church in 2021 as we face a nation continually divided as we look uh, at a pandemic that is far from over are these your signs Are the vows you made in baptism and membership uh, the vows you're living out now? Is your commitment still to the body of Christ or is it to some other group? And do you find yourself led and animated by the work of the Holy Spirit or by anything else? ordinary water where God does extraordinary things. Friends, remember your baptism. Believe that the Holy Spirit work in and through you. Look for the fruit of the Spirit. Discern the gifts that the Spirit is giving you. Turn to your one true love. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God. So much in the world is clearly not right and reflects the fall. Your story is a story where time after time humanity turns to anything else as God instead of you. Your story is full of us letting our love fail. And yet we give thanks that in your story, your love remains steadfast. The psalmist declares that your faithful love lasts forever. And for that, we are incredibly grateful. Lord, on this first Sunday after Epiphany, shine light on those areas where we might let idolatry creep in. And then would your spirit testify with our spirit that we are your beloved children uniting with you and with the church and our baptism. And you pour out your grace in our lives, Lord, that in a hurting, warring world, they might see you in and through us. I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who enables us in all that we do. Amen and amen.